Well, good morning again, everyone, and I want to say welcome now, not only to those of you who are here joining us in our contemporary service, but also, especially right now, to those of you who are joining us in our traditional sanctuary and via broadcast. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad we have this opportunity to be together as one church family and learn from God's Word together, even if we can't all be in the same place at the same time. And speaking of learning from God's Word together, if you don't have a Bible with you or have one you like to use on your phone or your tablet, and you want to follow along with our readings today, our ushers are going to come up the aisles in both of our worship venues, and if you want to borrow a Bible from them, please feel free to do that, and you can just put it on the shelf in the back of the room after worship today. Today is the third and final week in a little series that we've been sharing together as we start the year 2014, and it's called Juggling is for Clowns. And we're sharing this series at this time of year because when we start a new year, a lot of times many of us are kind of taking stock of what's happening in our lives, making plans for the new year. And I imagine a lot of us realize that our lives are pulled in a lot of directions at the same time, that we're stretched kind of thin, that we're trying to keep a lot of balls in the air at the same time. And as we've been doing this series, we've been thinking about these juggling balls here and how it is that we try to keep them in the air. And we only are focused on one thing at a time, how kind of easy and peaceful that can seem. You can pay a lot of attention to what it is you're focusing on. It stays under your control. But a lot of us are trying to do at least two things at the same time. We're sort of keeping this moving. And that's not too bad. That's a lot harder than one, but we get used to it in our lives. Some of us feel like we're really just got things moving all the time. It's flying all over the place. We don't know whether it's inside out or outside in. We don't know which way the things in our lives are moving. But I thought just to give a little better indication or a little better illustration of what it is that a lot of us are doing in our lives, I thought I'd do something really dangerous. Chris, would you help me out here? So I brought up something a little bit more exciting to try to share with you today. Now, I just, have you ever, would you raise your hand if you've ever been to SeaWorld? Have you ever been to SeaWorld? And the first few rows are called the splash zone. <laughs> you all right down here are in the danger zone right now, all right? So here, I just want to... Uh, show you what the danger zone feels like. Thank you for the support there. Sometimes when we're juggling things in life, I'm not that horrible, though I'm pretty bad. Let me try that again. Sometimes when we're juggling things in life, it feels like the things that we're juggling are themselves moving. Thank you. I'm going to stop before I drop them again. All right, Chris, here you go. Thank you for that. That felt a little like parenting to me right there. A lot of us in life, more seriously here, really are keeping a lot of things in the air at the same time, and that feeling of stuff that's moving at the same time that you're trying to keep track of it and throw it in the air is the dangerous feeling that a lot of us have in our lives. And the trouble that we, the danger we run into is that we are not in control of things as they begin to fall. Some things in our lives, we've said before, can afford, they can bounce a little bit, they can afford to spend a little time on the ground, but we're not usually in control of which things in our lives we drop. Sometimes they're precious relationships. Sometimes the people who are in the danger zone are the people who are closest to us, and they wind up getting clobbered by our desire to try to keep doing more and more. And I think the reason that we do this is because we feel like that's more fruitful, and we have a desire to be fruitful in our lives, and we, we succumb to this temptation to try to do more and more. This is true in my life, and people that I know and love know this about me. This is a temptation for me, as it probably is for many of you. And someone that knows me very well sent me a gift a couple years ago. They sent me, have you ever heard the expression, uh, burning the candle at both ends? Have you heard that before? It's kind of sort of like juggling too many things at the same time. Somebody sent me a candle a couple years ago with a wick at both ends, and there's a picture of it right there. That is on the credenza in my office uh, to remind me of my temptation to burn the candle at both ends. You know what happens when you burn the candle at both ends? You burn out twice as fast, right? 
So this is a temptation that I face along with many of us. And the reason that I face it along with you is because we have this desire to be fruitful. We want to bear fruit. Now, God made us to bear fruit. In the passage that we've been reading and are going to read again in just a minute, it, Jesus tells us that God wants us to be fruitful. We want to be fruitful. But we're confused. And I think that we are confused by our own sinful brokenness and by the culture that we live in. What does it mean to bear fruit in a culture that idolizes productivity? You know, I think as disciples of Jesus who want to bear fruit for God, in the midst of a culture that idolizes producing more and more, we start to just juggle. What we need, I think, is a different vision for life. We need to hear what Jesus said to his very first disciples. As he began to prepare them for a fruitful life in his physical absence, he was soon going to be killed and he was going to be raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven. He reigned over heaven and earth, but no longer walking arm in arm, no longer being there to, to see, to touch. And so Jesus was preparing his disciples for life in the conditions in which we live. And in just a second, I'll read you, the, read you that passage again, but let me review the diagram that we've been using during this series. It's a, it's a diagram of a semicircle with a pendulum in it. In this illustration that Jesus gave his disciples, he told them, I am the vine and you are the branches. And there are certain dynamics that the branches and seasons of life that the branches experience in the vine. Way over on the left side of the diagram is a, a season of abiding. Jesus told his disciples, you've got to stay connected to me. As branches remain in the vine, you've got to remain or abide in me. And in the first half of the passage where he really does this illustration about vines and branches, this is the only thing that Jesus tells us as his followers to do. Just stay connected to me. The other thing that branches sometimes experience, and it doesn't tell us to do this, he says God will do this in your life, is a season of pruning. There may be that things that are sort of random growth in your life, things that used to be fruitful but aren't really where God is wanting to bear fruit in you anymore. Some of that stuff might need to get pruned out of your life. Um, anybody here like to get pruned? Yeah, I did not, not me either. Uh, we talked about pruning last week, and I imagine a lot of us were reluctant to take any actual steps to cooperate with God's pruning in our lives because it sounds difficult. But pruning is for the sake of what comes after this. And those are the dynamics over on the right side of this diagram. And those are the ones we're going to talk about today. Growing and especially bearing fruit. We all want to bear fruit, but we get confused about what fruit is. So what I want to do today is just, I want to begin this section right now by reading to you this passage at, at its full length. It's 17 verses long, so you've kind of got a minute here. I want to read this to you, and as I read this, if you'd like to follow along, you sure can do that. If you want to close your eyes and listen, you can do that. You can, look at, you can follow along on the screens. But this is what Jesus said to his first disciples as they were preparing to live fruitful lives. This comes from John chapter 15, 1 through 17. And I'm just going to ask you to listen for maybe what God is emphasizing to you, what God is saying to you in this passage, and then I'll just kind of take a break at the end and we'll continue examining this passage. Here's what Jesus said. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Well, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that, wherever, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Today, at the end of the series, we finally get to the part of this teaching from Jesus that has been the point all along. Jesus has invited us to remain in the vine. He's encouraged us to cooperate with the Father's pruning in our lives, all for the sake of this, all so that there would be fruit in our lives. I've had some conversations with a few of you over the past week or two as we've been going through this series, and you've been just one step ahead. You've been looking forward to this day. I want to be fruitful. So what does that mean? And what does it look like to bear fruit as a disciple of Jesus? I want to, I'm just going to begin answering that question by offering you kind of my own summary definition based on this passage. But these words are just from me. They're not really from the Bible. And you may be able to improve on them or say them in a way that makes more sense to you. But I'm just going to give you a starting point, And then I want to make some observations about the very specific things that Jesus says in this passage. Here's how I've been thinking about fruit in a way that, that I think is helpful. I think that fruit, as Jesus describes it here, fruitfulness is the overflow of God's love in us. And that's why we're invited to remain or abide in the vine so that God's love comes into us and then we bear fruit. Fruit is what happens when God's love overflows in us. Let me show you a couple things specifically that Jesus says about fruit bearing in this passage, about living a fruitful life as a follower of Jesus in relationship with God. And the first one is this. God wants there to be much fruit in our lives. I think that phrase appeared three times in the passage that we just read. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Remain in me that you will bear much fruit. God wants to see there be all kinds of fruitfulness in our lives. I think we desire that our lives would be very, very fruitful. Jesus means to lead us into a fruitful life with the Father. So I think one thing we should just acknowledge up front is that we're not talking about, man, wouldn't it be cool if I would bear some fruit in life? Like maybe that would be okay. Jesus says God wants there to be all kinds of fruit in your life. Now, the path to get there might not be the path that you necessarily think of, but God desires that our lives would be fruitful and, and I think impactful, much fruit. The second thing that helps give some definition to that is that Jesus says that when there is fruit in our lives, we'll know that there is godly fruit in our lives because that fruit gives glory to God. That when there is fruit bearing that happens in our lives, people will not necessarily pay attention to us but rather, attention will be drawn to God. Now for me, that helps make a distinction between a lot of the things that is busyness in my life, because a lot of the things that I think that a lot of us do that are really just busy, and maybe we produce something, 
But those things that we produce really wind up drawing attention to ourselves. But fruit that grows as a follower of Jesus is fruit that draws attention to God. I think it's because it might be so counter to our own character. It might be so different from what people are used to in us. People say, wow, God must be at work in your life because I know you're actually selfish and impatient, but that was pretty generous of you. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's something that's so much beyond our capacity. They go, wow, that could not have been from you alone. God must be in you. Maybe it's a behavior that is so different from what people experience in the world that they go, wow, I was never much of a God guy before, but now you're walked into my, you walked into my life and I wonder if maybe is, is God doing something here? Is God trying to get my attention? When God bears fruit in our lives, Jesus says glory will be given to the Father. That's one way I think we know something about the fruit that we bear as followers of Jesus. But I think the clearest definition, the clearest picture that we can get of what Jesus means by fruit in our lives is to listen to the second half of the passage. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but kind of in about the first half of the verses that I read, it was all the illustration or the metaphor Jesus was talking about, the vine and the branches and the pruning and the remaining in the vine and the bearing fruit. And in the second half of that passage, he kind of continues to use that language a little bit, but it's like he's explaining it. It's, it's almost like Jesus was giving a little bit of a sermon based on the first half of the passage. And here's what Jesus told us to do in the second half of the passage. Love each other. Love each other, Jesus said. In verse 12, Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. In verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. In verse 17, this is my command, love each other. What do you think Jesus wanted us to do? <laughs> right, love each other. And I don't know, maybe I kind of wish it could be a little more complicated than that. Maybe a lot of us do. If it was more complicated than that, it would sound a little more impressive. It would sound like we had some kind of cool insight or we had really managed this thing appropriately, but then I guess that would bring attention to us rather than to God. If it were a little more complicated than that, I imagine it would be easier for us to devise ways, you know, not to do it. <laughs> but even at this level, Jesus told someone 2,000 years ago, love your neighbor as yourself, and he was trying to make it complicated. He went, ah, Jesus, but who is my neighbor? <laughs> We're always looking for ways around this, but it's really very simple. Jesus said, love each other, because that will be the overflow, that will be the fruit of God's love overflowing in us. And Jesus even gave a definition. He said, love each other as I have loved you. This is my command. And then in the very next sentence, he probably figured, well, you're not gonna know what that is. The original disciples didn't have like Hallmark and Valentine's Day to confuse them. They had other things, I suppose. Jesus had to clarify it for them and also for us. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, one part of that definition, I think we probably all know, love is relational. You have to be in relationship with somebody to practice love for them. The other part of love that probably challenges us even a little bit more strongly is that love is sacrificial. Love is a, a commitment, love is an action. Love is a commitment to act for the good and the blessing of another person even, maybe especially, when it costs you something. It costs you to bless somebody else. That's the kind of love that Jesus practiced. And he said, this is my command. Now love each other as I have loved you. Love is sacrificial and love is relational. The fruit of God's love overflowing us will be sacrificial and relational. 
I want to just give you a tool right now that's been really helpful to me over the last couple years since somebody first introduced it to me, and I've shared it with you in a message before. It's the image of a triangle. We'll put it up on the screens here. A triangle to help represent the, the shape of the relationships that we have as disciples of Jesus Christ. We have relationships up. That, that is a relationship with God the Father. We have a relationship with God, and that relationship up means coming, first of all, to know that we are known and that we are cared about and that we are loved by God. That's the root of our relationship with God as Jesus has taught us to understand God. It means coming to grow in our love for God also. Jesus said the first half of the great commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when we, are, when we know that we are loved by God and we grow in our love for God, then the fruit of the overflowing love of God in us begins to grow in our other relationships. And down at the bottom of the triangle are the other two relationships, kinds of relationships that I think we have as Christians. On the one hand, we have a relationship inside the family of God with other people who know the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we practice community with them and we sacrifice for them and we care about them and we do what we can to strengthen the family, to bless what the scriptures call the household of God. We have relationships with one another in the body of Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ also have a third dimension of relationships and that is relationship outward with those who are still far from God, with those who don't know Jesus yet. And as the love of God overflows in us, when we realize how we have been loved by God, when we begin to have just some little small reflection of the heart of God for those who do not know him yet, for the heart of God that is broken for those who are in pain because they do not know their father's love, then that love begins to overflow in us. And we live sacrificially and committedly and compassionately and invitationally for the sake of those who do not yet know God in Jesus Christ. The love, the fruit that Jesus encourages, invites, commands us to grow in our lives is the fruit of love in relationship with others. And so to ask what does fruit look like in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ can also be to ask how does God's love want to overflow in me? How can I begin to reflect more of the love of God in my life and my relationship up? Which is really just abiding, right? Jesus said remain in me. Up and in and out. And maybe that's a question that'll be fruitful for you to reflect on. How can God's love overflow in me? How can God's love create blessing in me? How will I bear fruit in relationship up, excuse me, up, in, and out? I think there are as many people as there are gathered here for worship this morning, there are at least 10 times that many way that fruit grows in our lives. I've See fruit growing in your lives. Sometimes parents, when I see you with your kids out in the hallways here before and after Sunday school and in worship, practicing patience and generosity of spirit with your kids as God has been patient and generous of spirit with us. We are an intergenerational family, so sometimes this patience and generosity of spirit has to be practiced by those of us who are not parents, sometimes for those who are older, sometimes for those who are younger. But we know that God has loved us and been patient with us and we practice patience with one another. I've talked with some of you about the fruit that God grows in your life in your workplace, about your decision to stay back from the gossip and complaining that's characteristic in your office, maybe about your decision to act with honesty and ethical behavior for the sake of being a blessing in your relationships with your colleagues or customers or clients or maybe even shareholders. You know that God has treated you 
with generosity and calls you to honesty and you want to be a blessing, even a sacrificial blessing to those you are in relationship with, however distant that relationship might sometimes be. Over the course of the last month or two, I can't even count anymore how many conversations I've had with members of this congregation who have recounted for me a story about the friendships or even just some noticing some relationship that you're forming with people who are in your community or in your building or in your neighborhood. People that other folks around you have seemed to have forgotten. Even their families have forgotten them. And you have not forgotten them. Why? Because the love of God is growing in you. Because you know, at a maybe, a, maybe a subconscious, intuitive level, you know that you have not been forgotten or forsaken. You know that God has neither forsaken nor forgotten them, and so neither will you. And that care, compassion, concern, time and energy that you invest, I think that is the fruit of a life of discipleship to Jesus. As you have been nourished by the vine, the fruit grows in you. I see fruitfulness of disciples of Jesus when we gather together for worship and people use gifts of all different kinds. Some of you who are musicians, well, I don't understand you at all, actually, but some of you who have musical gifts, you share them in the worship life of our congregation. You create moments of beauty. You help us raise our voices to praise God. Those of you who have technological gifts and gifts of hospitality and welcoming and service and compassion, and you use those gifts in a kind of inward direction to strengthen and build up the body of Christ to be a blessing to our neighbors. I've seen the fruitfulness grow on the branches of the vine and the time and energy that you invest in some of our service partnerships that we share together as a church, whether maybe that's in Haiti. Some of you are going on that trip coming up real soon, and many of you have gone before. Many, many more sponsored children at Mission of Hope. A lot of you, hundreds of people were involved in volunteering with Project Home when Project Home was here in our building in December. And man, it was beautiful to watch the members of this church family getting to know our guests and helping them to feel at home in a vulnerable time in life and learning the names of our guests and their likes and their dislikes and their stories and their kids' names because you knew that God loved them and that God loves you and that if Jesus were you in that place, that's how he would be living. And the overflowing love of God in you was growing fruit in this community of disciples of Jesus. I think whenever any of us, when we are giving financially, sacrificially, generously to support the work that God does through this church community, I think that's because we believe in what God is doing here and we wanna be a blessing to the generation of children that we're raising. We wanna be a blessing to one another as we grow in the love and the word of God. We wanna be a blessing in our neighborhood. We wanna make the name of Jesus known and shine that we would be a light to the nations here in this place. And why does that happen? Because that's normal? Because you wanna have less in your own life? I think it's because you have been loved by God and the love of God overflows in us. And the more that we remain in the vine, the more that that happens. That's the fruit growing in the life of a disciple of Jesus. I'm sure that God wants to grow fruit in your life. Jesus says it's God's desire that he would even prune in us so that there would be much fruit. As we've gone through this series, we've talked about the dynamics of abiding and remaining in the vine the central instruction that Jesus gave us to remain connected to him, to, to know God in him, to learn the rhythms of life in him, that we would be nourished and strengthened for all else that we do. We've learned about seasons of pruning that aren't negative or punishment, that aren't about becoming less of a person or making less of an impact, but they're about bearing much fruit for the kingdom of God. We've learned today to think about the directions that God wants to grow 
sacrificial love in our lives, that God wants to pour his spirit into us, the experience and the knowledge of his love, that his love would overflow in us for one another. As we close this series in just a minute, I wanna pray for us, I wanna pray together a prayer of commitment to God and an invitation for God's spirit to come and grow in us, to do his work in us, because ultimately that's what all this is about. I, I wouldn't want anyone to believe that there's a formula here that if you apply steps A, B, and C, then fruit D will grow. This isn't about some sort of steps. This is about learning to be sensitive to what God is doing in your life. It's learning to be sensitive to God's leading, to his invitation to be strengthened by him and to abide in him. It's about learning to be sensitive to God's leading when pruning needs to happen. This is about learning to hear God's call and experience the love of God in, in each of our lives and in the community life that we practice together. Jesus invites us, remain in me as I also remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you are good and gracious and loving. And we thank you that you have come into our lives to let us know that we are known by you, that you have neither forgotten nor forsaken us, and that you have come into our lives with incredible grace. God, I pray that you would just pour your spirit into us. You're so much more than we are, and we would love to see you overflow in our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to abide in you, to be strengthened by you, to remain in you like branches in the vine. God, we submit to you and invite you to do the pruning work in our lives, to cut out that which is not of you or no longer of you or simply not how you want to bear fruit in us. God, I pray that you would make us fruitful, not so that we would look impressive, not so that people would pay attention to us, but they would pay attention to you, that you would be glorified, and that more and more people would come to know how good you are for your glory and for the salvation of the world. We pray and live in Jesus' name. Amen.